The Start On Demand. demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Friday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today we're going to talk about five things to stop doing when you wake up. Business Insider tweeted out this video with five bad habits to break for when you get up. So we'll go through that and then we'll gather the troops and we'll all talk about our bad habits when we wake up. Doug Brown joins us to preview the Bomber game this weekend, the big playoff game in Saskatchewan. Bombers and Riders, who's going to win? Doug Brown. We'll talk about what the Bombers need to do. The Couch Potatoes assemble to talk about what is new at the movies this weekend. Christians are divided over Donald Trump in the latest edition of the podcast of This Is Why, so we'll tee that up. Also, Loren McNabb took a trip to the Manitoba archives and learned a lot of cool stuff about World War I. And lots of big concert announcements this week. Today, we announced Iron Maiden coming to Winnipeg August 28th. On Thursday, we announced Michael Buble coming to town April 19th. And also announced today... Backstreet Boys coming to Winnipeg July 22nd, and we want to take a trip down memory lane to earlier this year. Brooklyn Nine-Nine did something amazing as it pertains to the Backstreet Boys. And now we want to shift gears to something. I just saw this tweet from Business Insider. There's a video they posted about bad morning habits. And uh, coming from the Business Insider, I guess this is meant to help re- help improve your productivity so you can be successful at work. And they say there are a ton of mistakes people make in their daily routine, which can sabotage your productivity and happiness. So you can improve your disposition and productivity by revamping your daily schedule and make some tweaks and adjustments to how you start every day. You mean Lorraine McNabb could be even more delightful <laughs> if she implemented some of these things on this list? I don't know I, how you'd I'm be more I'm very alert in the morning. Like, it's not an issue of me getting up and being grouchy. It's just an issue of me getting up today. <laughs> well, it happened one time. No one's going to take you out into the street well, and tar and feather you. I'm taking myself out to the street. I'm taking myself out, Brett. So the first one that they've pointed out here is hitting the snooze button. I am super guilty of this. Are you, Greg? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, uh, three minimum. I'm a three snooze minimum guy. McNabb? Hardly ever. Really? Yeah. Okay. It just I don't feel any better. I'm stressed the whole time I'm laying there. I don't fall quickly back to sleep. So every once in a while, I will do it, and then I'm just mad at myself. Yeah, usually. So I set the first alarm for 2.30, then I wake up, and then I have a, a quick snooze for 2.50. And at that point, I decide if I want another one. And some usually what happens, if I take that third one, it becomes a third and a fourth and a fifth, and then I... Yeah, so I try to keep it to one. And because of the odd time to nine-minute snooze and then the other alarms that I have set, it just becomes a mishmash of alarms, snoozes, uh, because my first one, it's 9.45, and then the nine-minute snooze, and then I've got an alarm at three. I might as well just get up, and after reading this article, I'm... I'm going to alter this. And they say that you might, you just might fall back into a sleep cycle that you won't be able to finish. So you're just going to be grumpy. So instead, figure out how much sleep you need the night before and stick to it. I've actually been going to bed around 7, 7.30 the last three nights, and I feel great. Mm-hmm. Good for you. You, know, go you past, look fantastic. If I go past <laughs> 8, you really do, yes. Yeah, if I'm right. past 8, I'm in trouble. Yeah, so that's the first one. The second one, and I am almost certain that both of you are guilty of this, but we'll check. Checking email. As soon as you wake up, 
Is it possible to check it before you wake up? Because I kind of feel that's what I do. You have it absorbed by osmosis? Uh, yeah. It's hardwired into your brain? Yep. I'm not even awake. And that's the first motion is to grab the phone, fumble for the glasses, put the glasses on, and then see if the, you know, the world is still spinning. Yeah. You could make the argument, like in our job, it's really hard not to do it. Because if right. I wait, if I wait for the shower and the drive in to do it, then I've delayed an hour and a half. And lots of times there's been breaking news that you need to like immediately roll out the door on. Um, and obviously no one's calling you at four in the morning. But then anyone in any job could say, well, I need to check it because my job's important. And so I don't know. I, I get that this is a good one because as soon as I check that email and there's one that one little thing, I'm, my, like, I'm immediately immersed in that or stressed about that. Yeah, they say that life experts say once you start this trend, you'll never recover. Instead, try waiting a full hour before waiting into your inbox. So that's number two. Number three, drinking coffee while getting ready for work. I don't drink coffee. When do you have your first coffee, McNabb? By the time, just when I get here. Yeah, and that's kind of me too. I get it on the way. So I'm not tea. Yes, my tea. And I'm I'm not doing the... Brush my teeth, sip a coffee or sip a tea thing, fix my hair, have another sip. So uh, I I feel like I'm mostly following this rule. So I'm going to give myself a half a point. But so far, I'm failing miserably. I got a half out of out of three possible positive points because the other things I, I am totally doing. And I, I think we're in a unique that. position. Like you guys don't really drink coffee, but even if you did, like you're up early. Like there's no, I'm not starting a coffee maker and slowly getting ready for work. Like days of three months ago, right? Yeah, it's a sprint, right? It's a sprint. You just get up, put your stuff on and go. And so there's... Well, I don't do that. You don't? You take like your lolly, you're just lollying around? Yeah, I like to lollygag in the morning. <laughs> no. I get up and I kind of relax for a few minutes and then I take a shower. Sometimes I have breakfast. Really? They say... At, uh, at three in the morning? Like or yeah, four in the morning you're having bowl, breakfast? I'll have a bowl of chocolate frosted nope, flakes that's and another all one. brand buds. Nope, not uh, doing that either. <laughs> well, but just with the coffee thing, they they, they base their uh, wake up time at 6.30. So they say between eight and nine... Your body naturally produces higher amounts of cortisol, which regulates energy. Consuming coffee before that could make your body produce less cortisol. They say the best time to drink coffee is after 9.30, so three hours after you get up. Holy wow. Moly. Nobody, nobody. T- text me if you're actually doing that. Yeah, yeah that no seems kidding. a little weird. Um, we'll just quickly sprint through the, these last two. The fourth one is not eating breakfast. So more often than not, I don't, but I, I do find I feel better if I do. And then the fifth one is showing up to work late. And they say that uh, a study found that bosses see people who come in late as less conscientious and give them lower <laughs> performance ratings, ratings, even if they leave later. So, yeah, it happened one time, McNabb. You know what? I had my performance review last week, so oh, I'm going to ride this late start it's all a, the way to next year. It's a phone-it-in Friday for <laughs> Loren McNabb. Mackling McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Fortier. And just a heads up, uh, Loren McNabb was mentioning highways. Uh, intermittently slippery. We're getting word of a number of crashes in the city and outside, so just watch out. Road conditions, a little treacherous in spots. And also treacherous could be if you do any of these things in the morning that could make for a bad morning habit and just bad life habits. This is according to the Business Insider. They put out this list of five Bad habits to stop if you're doing this in the morning. And the first one was hitting the snooze button. Jeff Braun, I want to start with you. Yep, 11 times a day usually. I got 11 four, times. Four different alarm, I got four different alarms that go off, and they all get a couple of snoozes, except for one, which is super irritating, so I just turn it 
off. Are you exaggerating like 11 times? Yeah, and one of them I have to get out of my bed to hit the snooze button on it. So, <laughs> And then you go back? I've got this pivot system where I only have to plant my left foot and I swing my body out, hit the snooze, and then swing it back sounds in like bed. you're giving away sleep, Jeff. <laughs> Is this, do you I spend, feel better? No. I spend... M- the most work I do every single day is hit, managing my snooze buttons. So. Yeah, I, it's do insane. Least, do you at least put your uh, uh, Apple Watch or your Fitbit on first so you get credit for all that I, exercise? I should. I really should. I I, m- both my alarms are on the dresser across. Like, I have to get yeah. up to turn off my alarms as well. So that's why I think maybe part of the snoozing is finally starting to stop. Kelly, what about you? You're the most organized person I know, most r- disciplined person. What do you do? First, uh, well, I've got it set on OB, and I don't have my phone anywhere near my bedroom. It's out at the other end of the house. That's first rule. Uh, when the alarm goes off, I get up. I do have a backup for battery in case there's a power outage. And uh, But I have had my issues. I know just about a month ago or so, I have set both, or no, I forgot to set my alarms uh, the night before. And uh, and showed up late, but that was the first time in in a long time. But normally, I, I'm one of those lucky people. When I wake up, I'm good to go. Fortier, uh, for me, actually, I set two alarms, but most of the time, I end up waking up between three and three thirty, and uh, so I don't wake up to an alarm most most of the time. Like maybe. you naturally wake up. Yeah, you're like, yeah. This is a crazy person it's... that wakes up before their alarm. Every day. <laughs> well, I wake up like three or four times during the night, and like <laughs> some, some nights I have issues getting to sleep. But uh, yeah, most of the most of the time, I wake up between 3 and 3.30. I have my alarm set, but I don't use them most of the time. You're a twitchy sleeper, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. Just twitching <laughs> yes. the whole night, waking up. <laughs> the the best is, is when you do that, wake up, and you go, oh, what time is it? And, and it's only 11.30, yeah. and you're like, yes! The, yeah. worst, the worst one is when you wake up on Saturday morning. Oh, yeah, that too. Usually, I wake up about 5, 5.30 mm. or whatever, and then, oh, Oh, no, Saturday. The worst is when you have Monday off and you forget to unset your alarms that are automatically <laughs> set for every weekday. Yes, yeah. yes, good point. Uh, I also hate uh, when you wake up and like, you wake up and you think, oh, I bet you I have a couple more hours to sleep. And you look and you have one minute until the alarm goes <laughs> off. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? And then you don't get up. Like I've had done that where I have like one or two minutes before the alarm's going off and you're like, I should just turn the alarm off and, and get up. And, and you're that's like, a, that's what nope, I do. I'm taking I, that 90 seconds. Yeah, Cause <laughs> if it's three fourteen, I just go off. Let's get, let's get going. That's a sign from someone that you, you need the extra minute. Who here eats breakfast before they come to work? Nope. nope. Sometimes, Nobody. sometimes I pick up breakfast on my way to work. So Kelly, <laughs> when, uh, when I get here, like I, I have about a half hour drive. So when I get here, I have a banana and a granola bar. Yeah. I wake 30, up around three. 30, I don't know if that counts though. I wake up at 3 and usually don't eat anything until after the 8 o'clock news. And I wait for Jeff to eat after the 8 o'clock yeah, news just, just so that I can food. then take his food. <laughs> yeah, good for you. Yeah. Uh, that's that's smart. Yeah, it's, it's healthy, too. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it says uh, your first not eating breakfast is bad because your first meal of the day jumpstarts your metabolism and replenishes blood sugar. And going without it can make you irritable and you'll have a hard time concentrating. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, that's it. Then. If okay. my Still wife is listening, <laughs> if my wife is listening right now, that's that's you, darling. I, can, I love you, but you, that's you, Ron. You like the coffee? When do you have your first coffee? Uh, well, I, I pick one up on the way to work because the swill we have here is just about undrinkable. <laughs> it's, it's terrible it's coffee. Bad. Take a so, sip. No, no. I've got. I've got. So I get a McDonald's and then. After I drink my delicious McDonald's, I do force myself to drink a couple more of our... Why don't you split it, like dilute it, like no. split it into That's two That's just wasting good coffee. No. Spoken okay. like a non-coffee drinker. Yeah. You yeah. cannot do that. I was just a thought. Gee. So, yeah. so it's usually about my head off. 40 minutes Go after I wake up or I, before I have my first sip. So 
I'm almost in line with your recommendation, right? You drink coffee, Kelly? Can't remember. I have a cup right here. Oh, you That's do? Okay, there it oh, is. Yeah. Yeah. When's the first one? Uh, first one is usually at about 4.30, 4.35, you know, when, when I get through the early part of the stuff. And I try to keep it to two and a half per day. Every so often, yeah, I don't drink the coffee, I just have water. But every so often, I'll stop for a Slurpee on the way into work. Used to be a Slurpee, large Slurpee, sometimes the, the extra large, and a small bag of Ruffles sour cream and bacon chips. <laughs> I used to love... Oh, that's healthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to love, every once in a while, I'd get a text from Brett at about mm, 405, 410, and he'd just say, Grape? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do that this morning. I forgot. Oh. I forgot. Bad worker. So, yeah, you can text us. Let us know at 204-780-6868. Jeff, do you remember the last time you were late for work? Mm. Don't want to jinx anything here. It's but... been a couple of years since I was late to the point where anyone would notice because usually I'm first. Well, the other day, GMAC and I thought you were late, but you were actually... Otherwise yeah. detained. I was here just uh, using a different room at the time. Yeah. <laughs> we saw the coffee cup and the hoodie, though. So we were relieved. All was good. It sounds like Jeff was relieved as well. <laughs> and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a chance to defeat your favorite team, Greg Mackling. That's this right. My beloved Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the Rough Riders dominating the Saska- the Blue Bombers in playoff action. Uh, the Bombers uh, haven't beaten Saskatchewan in a playoff game since 1965. Doug Brown, the co-host of the Blue Bomber podcast. Well, it's got his name right on there, so he's the star of the podcast. I'm along for the ride. And, of course, the color voice of the Blue Bombers here on 680 CJOB. Uh, Doug, the Bombers haven't got a chance, man. Are you doing this reverse psychology thing? Is that is that your ploy? Because as long as I've known you, I have not known you to be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan. So that that requires an explanation on your your part. He's been doing it all week, Doug, and I don't like it one single bit. It's driving yeah, me crazy. Know, maybe Greg feels that he's not a winner in life, <laughs> so therefore, if he likes Saskatchewan, they're lose. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm just trying to piece everything together right now. Because he never talks like this on the podcast, so it's very disconcerting for me. Gives me with great unease. D- Doug, I, I, here I was feeling good that our relationship had taken another level, another step. You know me so well, and now you've blown my entire cover. Of course I hate the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, okay. and I think the okay. Winnipeg Blue Bombers can do nothing but win on Sunday. In fact, I think we both said it on the podcast, if the Bombers lose on Sunday, it will be because they beat themselves. Yeah, you know, we know what has to happen for Saskatchewan, and uh, basically for Saskatchewan to win, they need the Blue Bombers to make a ton of mistakes out there. They need them to play uncharacteristic football away from their identity. They just need them to make mistakes and uh, to play into their hands. So if they're smart, if they're patient, if they just let their the, the staples of their football team, their bread and butter, the meat and potatoes, the, the offense, the defense – the special teams just to go about their business without any horrendous uh, turnovers or misfortune or mishaps. I think they uh, they match up extremely well against this football team. Sketch for Rough Riders are a football team that, that prey and attack your misfortune and uh, capitalize on, on things like that, and that's what gives them opportunities in football games. Other than that, I, I just don't think – 
they're fundamentally sound enough, especially not on offense, to win a football game straight up. Got to ask you quickly about the cold, Doug. Uh, minus 23 or minus 22 right now on Regina. I think the long-term forecast for Sunday is calling for minus 10. Not super cold, but certainly not uh, the most fun weather for football. How big of a factor is that? Well, you know, I think uh, both teams have some exposure to it now, but it's always a worry the first time you play in conditions like that because it really, really changes the game. It just, you know, everything, you're not as prolific anymore. The, the ball doesn't sail as far in the air. It hurts to tackle people more. It takes you longer to warm up. It's harder to hold on to the football, so it's harder to catch it. It's harder to keep it secure, so ball security can become an issue. Um, and, and guys get rattled, you know, depending on how used uh, you're, uh, you're, how accustomed you are to weather conditions, extreme weather conditions like that, it can really affect your game. So, uh, you know, it is something to keep an eye on, but I really feel the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are kind of built for this cold weather football kind of stuff, having a great running attack, having a great uh, offensive line, having a quarterback that has that short and medium passing game. Uh, as one of his strengths, I think uh, I think the advantage goes to Winnipeg. Uh, the more miserable the conditions get, for sure. All right, Doug Brown, thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. You can get the podcast with Doug Brown and Greg Mackling. I put a link to that on our 680 CJOB Instagram story. Our broadcast Sunday starts at 1 p.m. with a pregame. Bob Irving and Doug have the call at 3:30. Yes, it's time to look at what is new at the movies this weekend. And we Jeff, should just jump to the last one because that's the only one I care about for oh. reasons that have nothing to do with the movie. Just, well, there's the tease that we'll you get gotta to it. wait for the last movie. <laughs> this weekend, a decades-old classic gets an update. Christmas already? Ugh. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. It's Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. From Illumination Entertainment, the folks behind the Despicable Me and Minions movies, along with that Secret Life of Pets movie and Sing. And by the way, for those who don't know, the guy who sings this song, Thurl Ravenscroft, is the Frosted Flakes' Tony the Tiger. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I can hear it now. Yeah, it's Tony the Tiger. Right. Can you imagine having a voice like that? No. My goodness. But the voice of the Grinch is Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm going to steal their Christmas. So, I don't know, Jeff, what do you think? Uh, I, what was, I think everyone just likes that original Grinch cartoon, right? Yeah, Correct. it's, a yeah, it's been so, out since the 60s. So I guess, I mean, they can make some money with this or whatever, but I don't think they'll ever replace that. Sort of weird. 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the second uh, movie, by the way. There is that one in 2000 with Jim Carrey, the live action, and that uh, was 52%, I think. This. Let's shift the tone here. Uh, I gotta. <laughs> let's move from Christmas to... It's time to go to hell. Not sure what to make of this next movie. Set in World War II, so appropriate timing, I suppose, with Remembrance Day coming, but this one's called Overlord. It takes place right before D-Day. It's about a team of American paratroopers who land in Nazi-occupied France. Their mission is to destroy a radio transmitter atop a fortified church, but then they discover this mysterious Nazi lab underneath the church. What's inside that church? What happens to those people? They have been given a purpose. What is this? 
5,000-year army. These thousand-year soldiers. Greg, what was the question you just asked off the air? Aren't there zombies or something coming into effect in this movie at some point? Yeah, it gets weird. It appears the Nazis are experimenting to create, I don't know, immortal, super strong zombie soldiers. Not entirely sure. It sounds ridiculous. It's an action horror movie, but it's from producer J.J. Abrams. And J.J., can you name a couple of his credits right off the top of your head, Jeff Broad? I would say uh, Lost. He also is responsible for all the rebooting of Star Wars and Star Trek and that sort of thing. Yeah, so he's a genius. And the movie's getting good reviews, really? 84%. I'm thinking of uh, From Dusk Till Dawn, where that movie sort of starts out normal and then yeah. it gets weird. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah, the, just the vampire twist out of nowhere. Like, oh, at first it was just this kind of weird kidnapping on the run movie. And then last half hour, vampires, <laughs> lots of vampires, which is part of its charm, I guess. What's this next one, Jeff? This next one's called The Girl in the Spider's Web. You try to contact your wife again, or if anything unexpected should happen to her, this video will be sent to him. <laughs> It's a reboot, sort of, of the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Uh, there was the original Swedish trilogy of movies based on the original Swedish trilogy of books. Then David Fincher made an English version of the first book, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But that was six years ago. This movie has a different director, a different actress in the lead role. It's Claire Foy from The Crown. And it's based on a fourth book, which wasn't written by the original author of the trilogy. So it's both a sequel, sort of, and a brand new thing. And it's not getting great reviews, only at 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. And finally, we have the movie oh, Jeff yeah. is excited about. It's a remake. <laughs> called Suspiria. That's not how you say it. Suspiria. Suspiria. It stars Dakota Johnson, Tilda Swinton, and Chloe Grace Moretz. It's set to 1977 Berlin, focusing on a young American dancer who goes to a prestigious dance academy, which is plagued by strange things. Now, normally we would play a clip from the new movie, yeah. but the original movie from 1977 has one of the most insane trailers <laughs> ever. Here's a clip from that. You can hide from Suspiria. Suspiria. Blood-curdling escape. <laughs> Suspiria. <laughs> that must have just blown people's minds in 1977. No kidding. That would be, that would, uh, just that trailer alone would give me nightmares for a month. The 1977 original, by the way, has a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. The new one, 61%. Good for them for trying. And just for fun, here's another clip from that original trailer. <laughs> You're only seeing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria for the first 92. <laughs> Another uh, interesting note about this movie, the new one, is it's directed by the same guy who made uh, that movie, Call Me By Your Name, which was a Best Picture nominee last year. So, Oh, wow. And is the exact tonal opposite of a horror movie. So yeah. that guy's bouncing around from genre to genre. Well, good for him for yeah. making sure that he's broadening his, his horizons. It does look good, but it, when you remake a movie like this, it's almost an insurmountable task. I, I saw it uh, over a decade ago. And uh, I remember thinking, what did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this one's probably a bit more conventional, but still creepy. Black yeah. Klansman is out on video on demand. Did you watch it? No, I didn't get around to it last night. I just had too many things on the go. And I want to confess, if you need a really good cry, I saw this on the plane on my way home from between Amsterdam and Toronto. Good 
by Christopher Robin from 2017. Uh, yeah. So Kleenex, not, the, not the Ewan McGregor one. Correct. Like the British one. Yes. 90% uh, like the film, 63% Rotten Tomatoes. But if you need a good cry, it's really cool. And the Winnipeg references in the movie just kind of heighten it for you if you're from this uh, from this city. Goodbye, Christopher Robin. When did that they won't last year. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm. That's right. I forgot about and that And it's one. apropos for Remembrance Day as well. That's all I'll say about that. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jeff Braun. Couch Potatoes, noon, Saturday, 6 p.m. Sunday. You can also get the podcast. That's available now. And, in fact, I put the link for the Blue Bomber podcast up on our, on our Instagram story, and I'll get a link for the Couch Potatoes podcast. Right now, we want to welcome Nikki Reitmeyer back to the start. She is the host of the Global News podcast, This Is Why. And this week's podcast, Christians are divided over Trump. Nikki, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. Can we just go back a quick second to that cat in the bag sound effect? Is that... Was that a... Okay, I thought I thought I heard something that sounded like that. I wasn't too sure. Yeah, okay, cat in the bag sound effect. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's available on uh, iTunes for purchase. <laughs> yeah, we have our very I'm own gonna, Foley I'm make studio. it my new ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's cat in the bag. Come on, can't you tell? <laughs> it's kind of morbid now that I think yeah, about guys. it. Yeah. <laughs> so why are Christians divided over Trump, Nikki? Well, I think for very obvious reasons. I mean, you have this guy who acts so unchristianly for back lack of a of a better term i mean he says outlandish things he says offensive things i mean his actions make many perceive him to be a racist he's an adulterer we know that he's had affairs i mean come on he cheated on his wife while she was pregnant or just after she gave birth rather and we know obviously that he loves money he's greedy as well so here you have an individual who is continuing to commit so many sins, yet Christians in America, particularly the evangelicals, continue to stand behind him. And why? Why are they standing behind this guy who seems to contradict everything that they should value in a human? And really, I think it boils down to two reasons. One, he's made a stance on being uh, against abortion. And the other is just the simple fact that he's a Republican. And for decades, evangelical Christians in the United States of America have been voting for Republicans. They did it before. They'll continue to do it into the future, no matter what this guy in office seems to say, which I find just so crazy and so bizarre and, and, and frankly, almost a little hypocritical. What made you delve into this, Nikki, go down this road of figuring out what is behind that divide? Well, especially with the midterm elections, which uh, which happened this past week, you know, it really got us thinking, is this going to be the day that evangelicals go, okay, he's crossed too many lines for us, and even though we are considered to be his base, we're going to change and we're going to vote instead of, you know, voting for the Republican or the guy that's against abortion, we're going to vote against the person who, or the party that seems to support an individual who contradicts all of our other values. We didn't see that, though. Again, we saw evangelical Christians really support the Republican Party and come out in spades to do so. It's uh, it's really 
interesting that they continue to sort of balance these scales and that's the way that I like to visualize it is is like a, a set of scales and on the one hand you have all of these things that Trump does that seem so unchristianly and on the other hand you know you have just maybe one or two issues and they really seem the, those issues on the other side of the scale really seem to outweigh the others you know I, I have to say I was so interested in this episode to get the chance to speak to Trump's spiritual advisor. And I know you might be thinking, wait a minute, Trump has a spiritual advisor? This well, is a real role? I actually think it's good to point out, Nikki, for, you know, because we up in Canada, you're always imagining that there's a separation or so-called separation, at least yeah. of church and state. And it's so not this case in, in the United States that very much like the word spiritual advisor applies to not just this president. Many presidents have had one. Absolutely. In fact, in this episode, we also spoke with a fellow named Jim Wallace, who is the former spiritual advisor to two presidents, to Barack Obama, as well as to George W. Bush. So, you know, very different leaders, but he was the spiritual advisor to both of those presidents. So we spoke to Jim Wallace, and then we spoke to a woman named Pastor Paula Kane. And Pastor Paula is Trump's spiritual advisor. So every presidency seems to have a spiritual advisor. The interesting thing between talking to the two of them is, you know, Jim very much considers issues of race to be important to him. Paula, on the other hand, you know, I got to say, when I asked her questions about about Trump's morality, she really seemed to skirt the issue. I thought it was so fascinating talking to her and, and when I spoke to her she was on a plane just left the White House I'm sorry just got off a plane she just left the White House spent the day before with, with Donald Trump and I asked her you know Trump continues to do so many things that are unchristianly how do you help him navigate that space listen to this clip have we not all committed sins is that not what our Savior came for to bring redemption and to offer us a chance of repentance and a chance of grace and a continual growth process. And it does a transformative process. It seems like from what you're saying that a key factor in moving forward with one's spirituality, leaving those sins in the past, moving forward to be a better Christian, one of the key factors is to ask for forgiveness and to repent. Has Trump done that? Has he asked for forgiveness? Has he admitted his sins to you and, and wrongdoings? Well, first off, that's a, that's a pastoral question that is very private, but I can tell you this 100%. From an absolute biblical standpoint, it is universal among all Christians of repentance, of I changed my mind, I changed my direction, I received forgiveness, received the grace of God, I recognize my sin, and I ask forgiveness 100%. Does he speak the language of a a pastor or someone who is very well-versed in scriptural and doctrinal stuff? No, that's not his lane. Nikki, have you ever heard Donald Trump try to repent any of his sins or apologize (laughs) for anything that he's done? (laughs) Well, that's the interesting thing, because I don't know about you guys, but I-, I surely have never heard him apologize. In fact, when he's usually confronted with something wrong that he's been caught saying or doing, he tends to double down on it, you know? And I asked Paula, 
if he in, in private as she said all christians do has has he humbled himself before god has he repented his sins has he said you know i made that mistake in the past but i want to move forward and be a better christian and she goes well, well I, you know i i can't answer that question you go, mm, you know, I'm a skeptic, to say the least, that he actually has humbled himself to her. I know this is going to sound negative, but, you know, I really got the impression from from speaking with with Pastor Paula, although she she you know she was a lovely woman to speak with, that she's a little bit blinded by the power and prestige of being close to the president and really seemed to turn a blind eye to the things that he says and does because, you know, he's the president of the United States of America. I mean, when I talked to her, she went on and on about how how great it was to spend time with him at the White House and how they ate pizza and they laughed. And you're kind of going, well, this is a little bit, it just seemed a little bit strange. Like she was wrapped up in that power and prestige. And that was enough to make her turn a blind eye to the unchristianly things that he says and does. All right, Nikki Reitmeyer, host of This Is Why, the Global News Podcast, this week's edition, Christians Are Divided Over Trump. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks, guys. Loren McNabb. As you mentioned, about 10 minutes ago, you took a little trip to the archives. Yeah, and I was talking about just what they put up. You can go there for photos, old maps of Winnipeg and all the rest. But well, they're doing something really special for Remembrance Day, and it involves letters from the front line, so to speak. They're from soldiers who didn't make it home, and they're also from soldiers who did, and everyone in between. And it was a fascinating visit with the provincial archivist yesterday. Throughout the graying dawns and dusks, a thousand shadowed fears are stilled by steadfast mother love, a burden of the years... They are not her words. There is no fear. The light has come with you, sweet mother mine. But for Kathleen Epp, they resonate deeply. The poem the provincial archivist is reading from was composed by a Winnipegger. 101 years ago this month, Alexander Dewaugh sent it to his parents from the front lines. So proud of his prose and their soldier, they sent it to the local paper. And when life's light is fading fast and first bright star shells shine, I'll tell this story o'er again. I love you, mother mine. One day after it was published, they learned their son had died in battle. So I've turned it to the page where um, there's a telegram. The telegram sharing the news of his death, carefully preserved in a scrapbook made by his brother, who survived that same war. World War One. Deeply regret inform you, Lieutenant Alexander Logan Waugh, Cavalry, officially reported killed in action December 1st, 1917. Each letter, each telegram is slightly frayed at the edges. They are, after all, more than a century old. But Waugh's family believed Manitobans could learn from it, so they donated it to the archives. They weren't alone in that thought. This one um, is written to his dad. This next letter comes from the Battershill family. The Battershill family lived in the Point Douglas neighbourhood and also the East Kildonan neighbourhood in Winnipeg. Charlie and George, also two brothers, went off to battle together. Well, I am fed up with this war if I never was before. I had my chum sniped by my side this morning and it hit him about an inch below the eye so you can see... Charlie came home. No, Not much chance to live. George died at Vimy Ridge. In another letter, Kathleen reads the words of his sister, painfully telling loved ones that George was gone. Here's a section. 
Mother is feeling terrible and was pretty bad for a couple of days, but to me, the look on her face now is worse than seeing her cry. In fact, I think none of us can cry anymore. Lots of love to you all. Carrie. Epp has combed through countless records over the years, but will admit she often does so with a lump in her throat, imagining when, how soldiers ever put pen to paper, how their families reacted when they learned they would never be coming home. You know, and sometimes it feels like a very male story, right, all of these soldiers, but you realize it's a very family story. That's only, the story of the soldiers is only part of the story, and there, there are mothers and fathers and sisters who are mourning their sons or worrying about their sons here at home, and it must have been quite paralyzing at times to to be on this side. There's the story of the soldiers and the families they left behind, the women, like Binscarth, Manitoba nurse Margaret Lowe. She wrote this letter to her friend in Binscarth in March of 1918, who just wanted to keep busy until the busyness of that wartime hospital killed her. And then two months later in May, the hospital she was working at was bombed. Some 66,000 Canadians died during World War I. Thousands more lived to hear the news that war was over. Many writing in diaries that are also available to read, to touch at the provincial archives. So Monday, 11th November 1918, Kaiser Kaiser abdicates and flees to Holland, Germany in revolt. Some were detailed. Others, like Royal Canadian Air Force pilot James Almond, were not. He's just writing like one line. November 11th, peace declared, made a night of it. Yeah, I'd like to know what he meant by that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the story? Leaving much to the imagination, but as Epp believes, so important to try and understand. These records belong to the people of Manitoba. They belong to the province. We take care of them. Uh, so that people now and people in the future can read them and get to know these stories. Um, They're really important, and there are stories. So you can see those. They're on display at the archives today and tomorrow. They've got a special display, but you could also go in at any time and ask to see records of anything, really. If whatever comes to mind, you can take a look at those. But I I loved being there yesterday. I loved that guy. He had a—the Air Force pilot had this diary, and he had just every day, November November 1st— you know, flew over France, November 2nd, flew over Belgium, November 11th, peace declared, made a night of it. <laughs> wow. The Provincial Archives, that's downtown right, on, on Memorial, Vaughan. on Vaughan Street, yeah. right? Parallel, uh, I guess it's the old auditorium, that's the right. old Civic Auditorium, Yeah, and right? it's also a really cool building, and I've also been there before plenty of times. You can look up old headlines, which I love doing when they have, like, like stories on the heat waves. I've gone and t- read articles from there, and they'll talk about how, like, uh, Mrs. So-and-so, like, took took the fan from the hose from the wall and put it underneath her nightie to try to get some cold air blowing in the house. Like, they have hilarious exchanges with people, and it's really neat to see. Yeah, fascinating stories. Thanks for sharing those and digging those up for us, Lauren. At Mackling, you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, correct? I do, but I don't remember the episode you're about to reference. Yeah, and it has to do... You watch the show, Loren? I don't, but I've seen this. And Sorry, I, I have watched it. I just don't watch it regularly. Kelly Moore, you ever watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Should, but haven't. Okay, and what yeah. about you, Fortier? No, no. There are over 400 scripted television shows to watch in North America alone, so it's okay yeah. if you don't watch everything. But they did something that made me laugh so hard earlier this year as it pertains to the Backstreet Boys. So, 
Do you recognize any of these men? I was hiding in the bathroom stall, so I didn't see his face, but I heard him. He was singing along to the music at the bar. Do you remember what he was singing? I think it was that song, I Want It That Way. Backstreet Boys, I'm familiar. Okay. Number one, could you please sing the opening to I Want It That Way? Really? Okay. You are my fire. Number two, keep it going. The one desire. Number three. Believe when I say. Number four. I want it that way. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a mistake. Now number five. I never want to hear you say. I want it that way. Ah, oh, chills. Literal chills. It was number five. Number five killed my brother. Oh my god. <laughs> that yeah. is excellent. I am watching that show now. <laughs> Such genius, and it's so oh. true. You, everyone knows that song, despite yeah. the fact that even the Backstreet Boys themselves admit it doesn't make sense. Lyrically, yeah. it doesn't make sense. What does that mean? I want it that way. They actually tried to change it. To, so that it made sense, and they said, you know what, it doesn't sound as good. Let's just go back to the way uh, it was. Fantastic. Oh, so good. I want to watch that again now. Don't, that don't was so that is priceless. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.